truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found. You see, isn't that exactly where we are? In a postmodern culture where so many have bought into the idea that there is no such thing as objective truth. Only opinion, only what's true for you or true for me, only truth the way we see it. Welcome to Open the Bible Weekend with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, I think that there are many who look at a culture like that and they get frustrated by that and they feel that even today we're living in a society that's heading in the wrong direction. And they're wondering, is there then hope for truth and justice? Yeah, and it is discouraging, isn't it? We see big, big shifts in our culture and they're happening so quickly. And there are many Christians who feel, well, now what in the world is happening? What is God doing? And I think one of the first things to say is, you know, this may be new to us, or it might seem new to us, but it certainly isn't new in the world. And uh, you open the Bible and you find God speaking into cultures that have lost hold of truth, that have lost the sacredness of life, and that have really lost touch with any basis of justice that is in the law of God itself. And God speaks into that. And God has shown through history that he's able by his spirit to do remarkable things in different cultures and in surprising ways. So I find it very helpful to get back into the scripture and then to look at what God is saying and say, my, that is speaking exactly to us today. And so we want to know what God does say. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 58 as we continue our message, Restore Justice. Here's Pastor Colin. Here's Isaiah speaking about the culture in which he was ministering 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And he says this, truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found. They say, isn't that exactly where we are? In a postmodern culture where so many have bought into the idea that there is no such thing as objective truth, only opinion, Only what's true for you or true for me, only truth the way we see it, but not what is ultimately true or what is ultimately false. Isaiah captures that truth has stumbled in the streets. Now, what happens when people lose their grasp of objective truth in a culture? Here's what happens when truth stumbles in the streets, justice falters in the courts. The one has to follow the other as surely as night follows day. Look at um, what is said about justice in verse 4. No one calls for justice. No one pleads his case with integrity. They rely on empty arguments and speak lies. And following that theme through, look at verse 9. Justice is far from us. Verse 14, justice is driven back. Verse 15, the Lord looked. He's looking for justice, and he saw that there was no justice. Now, truth, justice, and when these two go, there's one other that falls with it, life. Look at verse 3, your hands are stained with blood. 
your fingers with guilt. I cannot read that verse without painfully thinking of the loss of life taken, taken and lost through abortion, 50 million in 30 years. 50 million in 30 years. Now, you grieve that as much as I do. But Isaiah is speaking into a culture that we recognize, don't we? Truth stumbling in the streets. Courts increasingly about how you can spin a story. And a massive cull of human life. So, I think that we have to say that we identify as we open these scriptures with Isaiah's words about a culture that is losing justice, losing it. In other words, losing integrity and losing trustworthiness and losing truthfulness and losing doing right and losing loving neighbor as self and losing caring about the plight of others as if it were your own. And that's what Isaiah is talking about here. And he's saying, look, here's the reality. We've got a church, he's saying, that is ignoring justice and a culture that is losing justice. That leads him to confession, as it should lead us to confession, I think, uh, today. Um, notice in the middle of chapter um, 59, the the address changes. Isaiah's been speaking as a prophet to God's people. He's been speaking, verse 8, about them, the way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their paths. But notice in verse 9, it's as if the prophet now comes and he stands with the people. And uh, together, the prophet and the people turn towards God, owning their sin and the sin of their nation. So, I think it would be good for us to make these words our own as a prayer for ourselves and also for our nation today. And I'm going to suggest that we stand at this point in the message um, before we move to the third snapshot. If you would stand with me, the words I think will be on the screen, and let me stand with you and let us read these before the Lord together. Justice is far from us, and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light but all is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. Like the blind, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like men without eyes. At midday, we stumble as if it were twilight. Among the strong, we are like the dead. We all growl like bears. We moan mournfully like doves. We look for justice, but find none, for deliverance, but it is far away. For our offenses are many in your sight, and our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us, and we acknowledge our iniquities. Rebellion and treachery against the Lord, turning our backs on our God, fomenting oppression and revolt, uttering lies our hearts have conceived. Please be seated.
So where do we look for hope? What hope is there for believers who have ignored justice living in a culture that is losing justice? Now, the obvious answer, and uh, all who are regularly in church say, well, we, we know exactly what he's going to say. He's going to say, God's the answer. Well, yes. That's a little too simple. See, look at chapter 59 and verse 1. God's the answer. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is his ear too dull to hear. God's the answer. But here's the problem. Verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So, you see, it isn't going to be enough to say, well, we need to turn back to God. Because Isaiah says the problem is that when we turn to God, he's not listening. Because there is the issue of our sin and our iniquity that is a barrier that separates us from him and him from us, and we can't break through it. So, what hope is there if we have no way of breaking through to God? Our only hope is if God should break through to us. We're going to continue to look at that hope in just a few moments. You're listening to Open the Bible Weekend with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Restore Justice. Taking a look today at Isaiah 58 and 59. If you joined us late or you have to leave early or you ever want to go back and listen to a broadcast again, you can always do that at our website. Come to OpenTheBible.org. You can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. You can also listen if you have the Open the Bible app. That's free. That's a great way to stay connected with Pastor Collins' teaching when you're on the go and listen whenever it fits your schedule. So again, you'll find the app for free at your app store or come and listen online at OpenTheBible.org. Let's get back to the message. Again, here's Pastor Collins. I want you to see this third snapshot of the Christ who is bringing justice. Without the Christ, there's no other way of breaking through this barrier. Look at verse 15 of chapter 59, if you would. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. By the way, God is always on the side of justice, always looking to see, and He sees that there's no one. And notice the word, He is appalled that there was no one to intervene, no one who could fix the fundamental selfishness of the human heart and soul. Notice what happened. His own arm worked salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. Now, here we come to one of the most incredible, marvelous pictures in all of the Old Testament, and I want you to see its power and its glory. Because Isaiah describes God getting ready to fight for our salvation, getting ready to come into the world, a world that is losing justice and is ignoring justice, coming in as our champion to stand with us. He comes to deal with the dark powers, the evil powers that lie behind all human selfishness, all human sin, greed, and evil. 
Look at verse 17. He, this is God, He put on righteousness as His breastplate, and the helmet of salvation He put on His head. He put on the garments of vengeance, and He wrapped Himself in zeal as a cloak. You see, the picture here, God dressing Himself, as it were, in armor, getting ready for battle, God coming as our champion into the fight. This is why God became man in Jesus Christ, to break through the barrier to us, because we could not break through the barrier to Him. Now, um, you read this verse, the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. We've heard about that someplace before, haven't we? Where have we heard about that? Ephesians in chapter 6. Paul talks about us wearing the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. Well, here's where he got it from. He got it from Isaiah. And think about this. Isaiah tells us that Christ wore this armor when He went into battle for us. So, when you go into spiritual warfare, you are putting on the very armor that Christ has already worn in the decisive battle in which He triumphed on the cross on your behalf. Put it this way, Christians wear second-hand armor. I love that. Christ's armor becomes yours. Philip Ryken, I, I love the way he puts it. He says, believers wear the hand-me-downs of Christ's victory over Satan on the cross. I love that. The hand-me-downs of Christ. As I try to reflect on what this meant for Christ to bring justice, would you just look at verse 17 as I, I read these words that were just my reflection on that verse? He put on the breastplate of righteousness to give me a righteousness I do not possess. He put on the helmet of salvation to rescue me when I could not save myself. He put on garments of vengeance to defeat the dark powers that oppress all of us and give them what they deserve. He wrapped Himself in zeal to enter this fight that we could not win and triumph so that in Christ we could not lose. Amazing, amazing salvation of God in Christ. See, not enough to say America needs to turn back to God. That's way too general, and it misses the gospel. It's in Christ who has come to us that our hope is found. In Christ alone who breaks through the barrier to us when we could not of ourselves have any hope of reaching God. Now, why did Jesus Christ do all this? What was the great purpose of the Son of God coming into the world? Now, you could answer that question in many ways, but uh, Romans chapter 8, I think, makes this answer very plain, that Christ's purpose in coming was to create a people like Himself, that He would be the first among many brothers, that the character of Jesus would be multiplied among us. This is why the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world. That is why He put on this armor to become our Savior. Now, if the purpose of the coming of this Lord Jesus into a world that is losing justice and ignoring justice is that we should become like Him, I want you to think about the challenge of what it means to be like Jesus. 
because he became poor that others might inherit the world. He became homeless that others might have an everlasting home. He was hungry so that others might have the bread of life. He was bound so that others may be set free. He was stripped of his clothing so that others may be clothed in his righteousness. And he suffered injustice so that others might be justified before God. And that character, which is what Isaiah is saying of the one who counts the good of others even above his or her own good, is the very character of Jesus that he seeks to reproduce within us. So when we ask the Holy Spirit, restore my soul, we are saying, Lord, make me more like Jesus. And the distinguishing mark of the presence of this Jesus in your life and in mine will be that increasingly we care more about others than we care about ourselves. I'll tell you, I have a long, long list of things for which I want to thank God with regards to the life of our church, but I'll put these very, very high on the list. The families that foster a child in need, the folks that visit prison every week to bring hope to those who are there, those who care quietly for the grieving, visit the sick, have a passion for the persecuted those who serve the homeless, those who care for an aging parent, a neighbor, a friend, the passion of the whole congregation for the Congo and for other parts of the world. These are the things that Jesus would do. They reflect the kind of Savior He is, and they show that we belong to Him. And the more the Holy Spirit breathes upon us as a church, the more these kinds of things are going to be multiplied as evidences of the likeness of Christ among us. That's gospel reality. Now, in this very last moment, let me just tell you a story. It came back to my mind. I, I think it's been told since the 10th or 11th century. I, I, I regard it simply as a story that's been handed down but it catches something that's at the very core of uh, this theme today. It's a story of a monk. I want you to picture this man. He has devoted his whole life to prayer, lives in a monastery, he's given up all comforts in the world, lives in this stone cell. We're back in the 10th century, all right? And he has worn out his knees in prayer, and all his life he has had one abiding passion. Lord, if just once in my life I could actually see the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's longed for this all his life. And one day, late in his life, he's now an old man and he's still on his knees in his cell and light fills his cell and he looks up and there he sees the presence of the risen Lord Jesus Christ right there in his tiny cell. It is the moment of a lifetime. And his mind is filled with a thousand questions <laughs> All that he wants to say, that he has longed for this all his life. And he's right there. And at that very moment, the story goes, the bell of the monastery rang. Now, the monk knew what this meant, because every day there were folks who came out from the village and uh, beggars who would come to seek bread from the, from the monks. And on that day, as it happened... He was the monk who was on duty to answer the door. 
And so now he faces this agonizing decision. Will he stay with the moment of a lifetime with the Savior in his cell and ignore the beggar who can come back another day? Or will he leave the presence of his Savior and give bread to the beggar? And slowly he, he makes his decision. He, he leaves the cell, the light behind him. And he goes to the door, he takes the bread, he gives it to the beggar, and then so slowly trudges his way back to the cell. I have missed the moment of my life. And when he gets back to the cell, he is absolutely amazed because here is Christ himself sitting, waiting in the cell. And he falls to his knees, and then the story goes, the Savior said these words, if you had not gone, I would not have stayed. Now, here we are longing for a deeper knowledge of the presence of Christ in our lives. And Isaiah says, you're looking for that? Here's what to pursue. Grasp every opportunity you have to loose the chains of injustice, to set the oppressed free. Share your food with the hungry. Provide poor with shelter. Then, 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 then your light will break forth like the dawn. And your righteousness will go before you and you will call. And the Lord will answer. What a helpful message today. I love that picture of the Christian putting on that secondhand armor, armor that Christ has already worn and won with. Man, that is such a helpful and vivid picture, isn't it? You're listening to Open the Bible Weekend with Pastor Colin Smith. Our message is called Restore Justice, part of a larger series called Restore My Soul. And if you've missed any of the broadcasts in our series, you can come and listen online. Just come to openthebible.org. You can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. You can also order the entire copy of the series on CD. Ask about Restore My Soul when you call 1-877-OPEN-365. That's 1-877-673-6365. Or again, you'll find ordering information at the website, openthebible.org. Well, Open the Bible is a listener-supported program, and that is exactly what it sounds like. We depend on your generosity to keep Pastor Collins' teaching on this station and as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to offer you a book by Alistair Begg. It is called The Christian Manifesto. And Colin, what makes this book special? Well, Alistair takes us to the heart of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain, as it's called in Luke's Gospel. And so we're into the teaching of Jesus that is just radically different from anything that we would ever find anywhere else. And Alistair draws this out in the most marvelous way. I mean, for example, here's what he says about Jesus' teaching on taking the log out of your own eye before we try and remove the speck out of someone else's eye. He says, it starts with me admitting that it's likely not my wife who needs to change, but me. It's not my co-workers who are the problem. 
but me. It's got that kind of personal, practical honesty. It's written with great clarity, great grace, and great wisdom. Alistair says, we are not called to be like the world, and the world does not need us to be like the world. We have something better to say because we have someone better to follow. It's a wonderful book because it points us so clearly, practically, and hopefully to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, we would love to send you a copy of this book, The Christian Manifesto, as our way of saying thank you for your financial support this month. You can give online at openthebible.org or when you call 1-877-673-6365. That might be easier to remember as 1-877-OPEN-365. Or again, our website is openthebible.org. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. Open the Bible Weekend is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. Some of the laws that God gave Israel for protecting the poor were never put into practice. Find out why next time on Open the Bible Weekend.